from Veranda. We're here uh, in the Curry Barracks Veranda, the collaboration of Burwood Distilleries and Vacay Brewing. We're hanging out here for Flames Talk on this Friday. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to the Sports Drive, which is brought to you by our friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, it has been a busy week for the Calgary Flames, and especially a busy last 48 hours or so. All kinds of player news, plus the Flames have finalized their coaching staff on this Friday. Mark Savard and Dan Lambert have been added from an assistant standpoint. They'll join Ryan Huska's staff, along with Cale McLean, who returns as an assistant. Jason LaBarber returns as goaltending coach, and Jamie Pringle returns as video coach. But all that player news, and that's where we're going to kick things off. It's time to check in with our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Spoke with Frank a little earlier on Friday, and our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Well, it's been a quite a time to be a Calgary Flames fan, and the last 24, 48 hours, yeah, it's been an interesting little stretch here. Yeah, I'd imagine also probably a tough time. You know, you grow to like some of these players, you get attached to them. You're also thinking that this team, as constituted last year, had a lot more to give, and you're thinking, okay, you know, roll it back. Like, I want to see what this team looks like if they got some goaltending, if they changed out a couple pieces here or there. Can they take a run at being a much better team that a lot of people thought they would be? And now all of a sudden, you're sort of sitting there saying, well, are, like, are the wheels falling off? Or have we reached the, our pets' heads are falling off stage? And that's really difficult to grasp. It's also probably really difficult for new GM Craig Conroy. You know, I, I don't envy him at all. And I think, you know, in some ways, as we're still waiting for the official sort of word from these players, like the flames, like to be totally candid, have not gotten an answer yet from Elias Lindholm. And I do think that there's still a chance that they can sign this guy. Like they've yeah. rolled out the red carpet. They've opened up the bank vault. Like, they're leaving no stone unturned, but the longer this drags on, the more other players you see begin to bail. That's probably what makes this pretty difficult for Craig Conroy is to just try and keep everything together. And then we can talk about, you know, maybe what the next steps are. Let's, um, let's start with Hannafin and Toffoli, because those are the two guys that we believe or we understand that have informed Craig that they will not be signing beyond this year, correct? Uh, I, 
Michael Backlund is also in that category. Okay. And subject to change. Like, again, I think the flames think that they can get some of these guys to change their mind. Backlund was actually of all four was the guy that surprised me the most given his tenure and given, you know, his connection to the community. And I think a lot of people saw him as sort of the next captain of the flames that that one was the one that kind of threw me through a loop the most. Why do we like, so where, where do we think things sit then? Like why, why is, is, Backland situation, the way you understand it, just because of the way things have gone with the team, is it the way that things went last year? Why is, from what you understand, why is Michael where he's at right now? That, see, here's the thing that I've been asked sort of repeatedly by fans, by, you know, other media members, by other players, like, what happened here? Why did things, like, why are things so off the rails? And, I think the the true and accurate answer is that there's a bunch of different reasons that are all coming together for all these different guys. Like everyone has something that they'd like to, you know, have something be a little bit different. Like I think Hannafin wants to play in a different place. And I think Backland, you know, I think last season under Daryl Sutter really wore on him. And I think other guys are not entirely sold on this team's ability to compete. So I think there's a whole bunch of that stuff that's kind of all coming together at once that no one's first off. I think it's also important to point out that there's not as far as I can tell, at least there's not really any animosity here. Like the flames players aren't angry at Craig Conroy. They're not angry at Ryan Huska. They're not angry at anyone. Yep. Part of that is just there's, you know, change at some point is inevitable. And when you can see one year out from your contract being up and you want to begin to flex some of the muscle that you have with leverage that you are only, you only get so many opportunities in your career to do that. So I think that's also part of it too, is that, you know, maybe at some point in your life, you want to do something a little bit different. You want to change jobs, change employers, whatever it is that that happens and the fact that it's all happening at once i do think there's a snowball effect and i do yep. think there's a the big question is what happens to some of the other guys that we haven't talked about yet the tanevs and the zadarovs and the you know at some point oliver shillington like there are other players that are also entering the final year of their deal that I think if you're the flames, you want to try and at least manage this best as you can. From an Elias Lindholm standpoint. Yeah. It sounds like a, a significant deal is on the table and, and now they wait. So that, that seems like at the very least there's, as you mentioned, door open, or there's still a chance that maybe Lindholm does indeed accept or, or is open to talking a little bit more about this offer. The flames have on the table. Hey, well, at least the last I heard, you know, they had made their pitch this week. They, it was all seemingly, you know, positive, at least is what I heard. And and I think they were essentially like, okay, we'll get back to you. I do think the offer was somewhere in the eight to, uh, sorry, eight and a half to eight, seven, five million dollar range. 
Um, I do think the Flames, and that's really maybe the toughest part for the Flames to swallow in all this is that they want to have all these guys back. Yep. Like they, their goal and plan heading into this year was to bring everyone back. And so now, not only the fact that the decision really kind of lies in the hands of others, that hurt, that's difficult or hard. And then the other part is like they're offering these players real money, real market value to stay. And I guess to this point, for some of them, that, that's still not enough. And for Lindholm, at least my understanding is not sure. And the longer it drags on, the more these other names populate and and circulate in, in the public. And make no mistake, this isn't a, a public thing. This is like players are talking amongst themselves. Yep. Everyone has a real good idea of what's happening behind the scenes, and there's no surprises. So um, to that end, the speculation league-wide is that Lindholm is leaning towards not coming back. And this is going back to the combine. Um, there's been lots of talk out there in league circles that a healthy dose of skepticism that Lindholm is resigning. And honestly, Frankie, like that, that even in this market goes back uh, even before that to when the season was still on. Now, a big part of that was tied to who the coach was at the time. And and I think that having Daryl Sutter as the head coach was a big reason why it was super uncertain as we were talking in February and March about Lindholm's future. But it, it is felt really uncertain with Lindholm for, for quite some time here in Calgary. Yeah, and that's... Another sort of facet to this is like you can change out the coach. You can change out the general manager. Um, at the end of the day, if a player is unhappy, they're going to move on. And if there's enough lingering discord, just because the flames are offering you eight times eight and a half, like someone else somewhere is going to offer you the same potentially better um, and you, you know, you have to, I always say when it comes to players in situations that they really like and feel like they're being squeezed. Um, and I, I had this conversation, you know, yesterday with an agent about this same exact thing on a different player where he really likes where he's at, but feels like the team is squeezing him a bit to, sh you know, shorten the money, shorten the term. And I was like, don't bleep with happy. Yeah. But on the inverse, if you are unhappy and someone's throwing a pile of money at you, that money isn't going to solve your problem. It's not going to fix, you know, what is ailing you. And so you can't paper over that. And I don't want to present Elias Lindholm as any sort of, you know, miserable or unhappy guy. It's just that I think the answer is he hasn't really been happy here this last little while. And he likes his teammates and likes generally the organization. And I think he, even all these guys like the city. There's nothing, there's nothing against Calgary. They just aren't sure. And maybe that's an answer in and of yep. itself. Frank Saravalli's with us. He's our daily face-off NHL insider joining us on Friday this week on Flames Talk. You know, one of the interesting things now becomes because it's it's my belief, and and I would imagine you've heard the same things that 
Flames won't hesitate. Like they, if if they don't feel like a player's coming back, or if they're told that a player's not coming back, yeah, they'll they'll try to convince and they'll try to do their due diligence. But if it becomes clear, then they absolutely will pull the trigger on a deal. I I'm curious as to what the timing looks like because you've got a draft next week with a very deep draft class, and the temptation is there to bring in picks for the 2023 draft. But I also know the Flames are are really adamant about being patient if they need to and making sure that they they don't rush these deals. I know that's also a really important thing for them. It's kind of because of this draft and how deep it is, I I wonder I wonder about the temptation of wanting to get something done in the next 5 or 6 days because that might get you a first round pick in in a really deep draft. That's going to be really interesting the timing of how some of this goes down. It's also not just the draft. It's I think part of it too is the narrative like you don't want this drama and stink surrounding your team as you're building for next season so i think that's part of it but here's the other thing is like at some point you reach a volume consideration that you're gonna have to figure out in that even if let's say there's seven you know pending ufas next year and all seven of them just for hypothetical game theory say we want out we want it we're not resigning and we want to go somewhere else Craig Conroy, like he can't trade seven guys in the next 10 days. I mean, I guess he could. I'd be shocked that that happens. And so I think part of, you know, what Calgary has to weigh here moving forward is how do we, how do we wrestle leverage back? And I think the way you do that is to say, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate your insight and your honesty. And if I can make a deal that is suitable for the Calgary flames. I'm, I'm going to make it because that's what's in the best interest of the team. And it, it should have been true when you have three years left or four years left on your deal or not. And then the other part of that is the implied part, which is we're also not afraid to bring you back next season. And I know that the view of that from the outside, everyone sort of in the public says, how could you bring back players that, you know you're not keeping after you said at your introductory press conference that asset management is going to be such a big part of what you do. Right. And you don't want to fall into the same trap that you fell into with Johnny Gaudreau. But my answer to that would be you begin to put the pressure back on the other side because what happens is you have seven guys, if whatever the number is, that enter next season in contract years where they have to deliver. And that should also theoretically make your team better because they're hungry. And I also think that going back to what I was saying earlier, there's no animosity here. Like yep. no one's like really aside from Toffoli. I don't think anyone, like I think Hannafin has basically said, like, if you could trade me, I'd like to, but he's not pounding his fist on the table saying, yep. you got to move me by next week. If you have to play out the year, then you signed your name on the dotted line to say you would. So I think it's not a dare, but essentially it's it's great that you want out, but I can't accommodate you now, and you now need to d- hold up your end of the bargain and and play. And And that's not to say that you go into that year thinking and hoping that you can then somehow convince them. I think that's a foolish approach or or way to attack it 
But I think what it does too is it allows you the ultimate flexibility. If your team somehow is really good and you you know gets back to the level that you think it can, what that does on one hand is validates your thinking and your thought process that you had before all this started that this yeah. team could be something. And two, um, if it doesn't, you're even better off because let's say you went down this path this summer and every one of these guys was like, yes, I'm back. I'm in sign me. And you executed a bunch of medium and long-term deals that you get to January or February and your team is junk, which I don't expect or wouldn't expect, but I think you have to at least allow for the possibility that a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, maybe they aren't that good. Right. And so then all of a sudden Craig Conroy would be sitting here and saying, man, I wanted to resign these guys. I did it. And now all of a sudden I'm stuck with a bunch of players that I can't move and we're in no man's land. And Oh man, what a really tough spot this is to be in. Cause we're also capped out. Yep. So I think there's a, a holistic way to look at this and say, yeah, you know what? We're not in a great spot, at least what it looks like to the public. We're backed into a corner a little bit here, but we're going to hang in. We're going to, you know, sit in our foxhole and we're going to fight and we're going to wait for a trade that makes this team better. And whether that's for the future or for now, and we're going to do this on our terms that you need to then turn around and say, this is when, you know, we'll do it when we're damn good and ready. Well, and the belief, like the, the, the feel is, is that, you know, we, we saw what happened last year when the flames were kind of backed into a corner on the Kachuk trade and they made a blockbuster that had all kinds of NHL implications and Huberto and Uyghur established NHLers came back. I, I, I don't get the sense. That's what the flames are looking for here. I think when they, when they read the tea leaves and say, geez, we might be having to move multiple core players to make deals like that, that Kachuk deal again, that's kind of a, that's not the norm. So we, we're most likely talking about picks and and young players coming back in return, which which kind of puts the flames into whatever words you want to call it: retool, rebuild, reload, whatever. That kind of that's that's what the flames are looking at if they do indeed go down the road of trading multiple numbers of these guys. I think it's too soon to answer that. Like and and perfectly like you may have more intel than I do. Like you may be. Uh, and, and I, you know, you're all over this. So I, you know, certainly think that's the case or potential. And it wouldn't be surprising to me to see this team go down that path, you know, for a team that a franchise that in general has resisted the urge to rebuild that maybe the only way you get there is, is to be forced into it. Right. Um, and as uncomfortable as that might be, this year, this draft in particular might be a pretty good one to dive in and do that. But I do think that they're, you know, the tough part is with Huberto, with Uyghur, with, you know, Markstrom on his deal with Kadri. Yep. First off, you're never really going to bottom out. So you're not going to be the Blackhawks or the Flyers or one of these teams that, um, you know, is, is at the, you know, takes it down to the studs. It, that's, that's not really possible and two um i do think that there is an avenue on the trade market to maybe do a little bit of both and to sort of 
you know, maybe it's not a quick one year and out, but maybe it's like a two year thing where you, you know, you take a couple steps backward to take a couple forward, take, you know, two steps back to take four or five forward. And and I do think that's possible. And I think there's a way to find value and blends um, of future and present. And I also think that the flames um, could use a little bit of that. Like they haven't had very many draft picks. They've been able to hit on a bunch, but their, their system and their cupboard is not overflowing. And that's not a scouting issue. That's a yep. operational, you know, modus of operandi way that they've attacked this, which is let's try and be as competitive as possible every year. And I think it's admirable, but at some point in the cyclical nature of the way the salary cap works, you have to be able to find at some point a a time to reboot and retool, because if not, you're stuck with all guys that are 31 to 37. And that's just not how this league works and wins. Last one on the flames. They've uh, officially announced their coaching staff and, and the interesting names of the two additions to Ryan Huska's staff and Dan Lambert and Mark Savard, who joins in as well. He made quite the uh, impression on Twitter Thursday night when he started posting a bunch of flames pictures, just a a thought on the flames rounding out their coaching staff, bringing in Dan Lambert from Nashville and bringing in Mark Savard from the Windsor Spitfires. Well, I think the Savard one is a, you know, I don't know as much about Dan Lambert, but obviously the success that he had as a head coach winning in Kelowna um, and, and also being the head guy in Spokane, um, you know, he's, he was spent four years on the Preds bench and I had heard really good things uh, from the John Hines group about, you know, his impact there. Um, But Savard to me is the sort of gem and obviously there's a familiarity and comfort there having been, a Calgary flame and also having known, you know, Jerome McGinley and Craig Conroy and the whole group. Like, I think that's important, but I also think his sort of likability and relatability from players to the coaching staff is going to be really important in this process. Like we know that Ryan Huska is, you know, a complete 180 from Daryl Sutter, but what we don't know is, how he's going to make that chance, uh, that transition from assistant coach to head coach. And you always need those sort of confidants in your group, your yeah. staff that players can turn to. And I actually think, you know, I'm not, I don't, I obviously they've been working on filling out this staff for a while, but I think there's maybe some hope of like, Hey, on a, you know, a, a down crappy news day for the, for the flames on Thursday, that Mark Savard changes his profile pick and, you know, everyone connects the dots and, and, you know, speculates um, that that's, that that was, there's a bat signal of sorts changing that profile pick to some of these players that are wishy-washy saying like, Hey, uh, you know, helps on the way things are going to be different here. And I thought that was really important. Yep couple more with Frank Saravalli, daily face-off NHL insider, just league-wide. Sounds like the cap only going up a million dollars is is what we're learning on this Friday as we move into GM's meetings next week at the draft in Nashville. 
just I, I, I we've known that this has been a possibility for some time. We've also known that it's been a contentious issue behind all kinds of different closed doors over the last year or so. I'm just curious as to your reaction that it sounds like indeed they're just going to do the kind of written in $1 million increase in the cap for next year. Well, I'd say for like 30 teams, there's a lot of disappointment. Yeah. Like the other three that are actually in the game of trying to squeeze teams that are at the cap to get assets and take on bad contracts. There's maybe a twinge of excitement. Um, I think I'm surprised more than anything because there really was an avenue here to increase the cap and get this rolling. And the idea of a fourth consecutive year of a flat cap, it's, it's kind of unthinkable. It's, um, I think it's really short-sighted. And I think more than anything, I was really surprised to hear in Elliot Friedman's reporting as the one who went to New York at the BOG meeting and, and interviewed Gary Bettman to hear him say that he, he thinks that the following year's cap, meaning the 2024-25 season, and I know that sounds insanely far away, is only going to see a, a projected $4 million bump. Like, the math doesn't add up and like, I'm not any sort of, you know, Mensa member or, you know, I'm not going to be hired at SpaceX anytime soon, but I can tell you that for a league that says that they're at $6 billion in HRR right now, um, you know, when you look at that, just do the math on it, even taking into account, you know, the sort of, um, benefits and, and pension stuff that players take out of that before the cap is calculated. Like let's say it's 400 million bucks at $6 billion. The cap should be in the $90 million range. So that's this season's revenue, 6 billion next season should be more than that. And the season following, which is what that actual cap is going to be based off should be even higher than that. Yeah. So you should theoretically be in the 90 to 93 or $4 million range, you know, the following season from next. And either they know something I don't, which is obviously entirely possible, or they're really downplaying and tamping down this idea that there's going to be a massive increase. And I'm not really entirely sure why or what that means. Yeah. It's very it's it's been one of the more interesting topics to watch over the last year or so and and now we know it's only only going to go up the 1 million dollars for next year and and just finally as we move into next week and you'll be in Nashville we'll talk to you on Flames Talk Wednesday from the draft floor in Nashville just what what are we watching obviously here in Calgary we're watching Craig Conroy and what the Flames might do what else are you watching what are the big stories to be keeping an eye on as everybody comes together in Tennessee next week well, the Flames are obviously going to be, I think, at the center of a lot of talk. Be curious to see how much talk becomes action on their front, as mentioned. But the Jets are there. The Flyers are there. You know, it's not just the teams that are trying to compete. It's also some of the teams that are trying to tear down, like Philly and all the pieces that they have. Um I, St. Louis, I think, is going to be aggressive. They have two extra first-round picks that are late in the round. Uh, you have other teams that are trying to get from that teen and early, like low 20s range sort of into the top 10 or 11. 
You heard Vancouver say that they want to move up. I think we still don't really have quite a strong sense from Brad Tree Living yet as to what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to do. There's a lot that's lingering out there. And I got to tell you the fact that this week we didn't see one single trade. And I know it's still early on a Friday ish, early ish, uh, not too early to crack a beer after this, <laughs> but um, that's, that's, that shocks me that we're, you know, our last trade of any significance was two weeks to the day. I'm really surprised about that. That is Frank Saravalli, our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us Wednesdays, usually this week on a Friday. And he joins us, uh, as always, thanks to our friends at South Trail Chrysler. Lots there once again at the end. Some NHL news, but mostly on the Flames, the futures of a number of players, and a whole lot more. Thanks to Frank, as always. Uh, just have that conversation a little earlier on this Friday. But uh, obviously, we'll uh, be back with Frank next week. He'll be with us from the draft in Nashville where Flames Talk will be all of next week. I believe we're talking to Frank on the draft floor Wednesday ahead of round one, so uh, be there for that. It's Pat Steinberg and Logan Gordon along with you from the uh, brand-new veranda setup in the Curry Barracks. It is a collaboration between Burwood Spirits and Vacay Brewing. That's where we're hanging out on this Friday for Flames Talk, and Frank Saravalli is brought to you by our friends at South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash with South. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Well, what a week it has been. What a 48 hours it has been for the Calgary Flames. I mean, as we continue from veranda on this Friday, wrapping up the week of Flames Talk, Steinberg and Logan Gordon, the next time you hear Flames Talk, it'll be from Nashville, Tennessee. Vickers and I are headed down. Uh, FC Hockey is the uh, official draft guide of Sportsnet 960, the fan, and we'll be bringing you coverage Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and maybe even a little bonus Friday coverage for you from the draft in Nashville. Looking forward to that. If only you guys could have picked a fun spot. Hey, uh, there's... Once there was one in Minnesota, so, you know. They, it balances out, is that what you're telling me? It balances out. Um, <laughs> when you have to go to Minnesota, the next year you have to go to Nashville. Exactly. Or? Okay, that's fair. But the focus on, as you just heard Frank Saravalli say to wrap up uh, his chat with us, or to wrap up, yeah, I guess it was to wrap up his chat with us, the Flames are going to be front and center like they were one year ago at the NHL draft. A year ago, it was because we didn't know what was happening with Johnny Gaudreau when we were approaching free agency. We didn't know what was happening with Matthew Kachuk. I remember I sat down with Brad Tree Living in the hotel lobby, the Flames Hotel lobby in downtown Montreal, and... Talked to talked to Brad, got some comments about it, and at that time they were still very fully on board with. Yeah, we're getting these guys signed. And Did Brad not do a media veil on the draft floor with you guys 
uh, in the at the draft. He may have after the draft said the same thing. Yeah, we feel good. We feel like we're heading in a positive direction, and everybody at that point was like, "Yeah, Johnny's coming back." And then everything went the opposite way. Well, and it went the opposite way, kind of at the last minute of yep. Johnny, and then Matthew uh, decided to, to made his decision and, and and informed the Flames of what we, he was thinking, and next thing you know, organization on a different course, and the summer of Brad began, and we know <laughs> that the, the winter and the spring following weren't as good as everybody expected. Um, but the Flames are going to be front and center in Nashville once again, and yeah. people are going to be watching to see what Craig Conroy at his first NHL draft as an NHL general manager is is going to be able to pull off. But I also think it's important, as much as the draft is a big spot to get work done, and it is very, very often an area where Brad True Living did a lot of his biggest work. 100%. I don't think there is... I know there are some who disagree. I, I saw some of this on, on some of the, the message boards and on Twitter on, on Thursday night. I don't believe that this year's NHL draft needs to be a hard deadline. By any way, shape, or form does it need to be a hard deadline. In fact, I, I think that you can, if you can get work done at this draft and you can get the type of return you want for some of these players, then so be it, and you'll be happy because you're – possibly getting picks in one of the deepest drafts in years but that doesn't mean that you have to you you have to only make trades at this year's draft if you're not getting if you make the decision that elias lindholm is not going to be coming back and you make the decision that you need to trade elias lindholm but you're not getting the value that you think lindholm should be getting at this year's draft and you wait three or four weeks and then make the trade that you want to make, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think patience is a really important thing when we're talking about making some of these trades. And not just patience in making the deals, but also I think I, I, I know that the Flames are still attempting to see if they can get some of these guys and, and maybe yeah. change their minds or sway them back the other way. Look at the look at who he just brought in as an assistant coach. Look at Mark Savard. If, if you're an offensive player, if you're Tyler Toffoli or you're Elias Lindholm, you're like, we just look at Mark Savard. This is a guy that is very well thought of, and now he's going to be running the power play for our group, and, and we'd really like to see how he can work with you. I, I think they also want to make sure there's no stone left unturned. So being patient and doing your due diligence to ensure that you know for sure whether or not these guys are coming back and then being patient and not rushing the trade that you might have to make. I think it's really, really important. Yeah, there's a couple of things here that, that I wanted to add. I think, one, I think giving yourself an artificial deadline like the draft only helps the other teams involved, right? If they know that you want to, say, get this done in the next week or so, I think it only weakens your position if you're Craig Conroy. Now, do I think that there's an artificial – really, the de- if we're being serious, the deadline is maybe the trade deadline for getting these things. In reality, is it probably more along the lines of the beginning of the season for the guys that don't want to be here anymore? I would say that makes more sense. But I don't think you do yourself any favors if you're the Calgary Flames and you're Craig Conroy and you create these artificial timelines that – I think only help other teams if they know you're coming down to the the wire of wanting to get things done at say, right. the end of the first round. It just weakens your hand. Now, I think I understand why people feel as though the draft needs to be you know the place where the Flames get a lot of business done. I think one, 
it's natural here in Calgary over the last almost 10 years to expect big things because, as you mentioned, Pat, um, Craig's predecessor, uh, predecessor in Brad Living did get a lot of massive deals done. Almost all of his massive deals really got done at the draft. Yep. And two, I think we're at that point, Pat, where name association becomes a big thing, where fans that are looking at it are saying, hey, we could get 16, but maybe we could get Matthew Wood in there, right? Maybe Colby Barlow, right, and Matthew Wood. We get two first-round picks this year. We can get this guy and this guy. Whereas, you know, any other time, you're just associating it with a pick, yep. right? Even a twenty, even if you get a 2024 first-round pick at this point, it feels different because you're starting to associate names and and franchises and thinking of what that guy would be on your team. So I, I get it. I think a lot of people naturally feel that way because they can start to put a, a face to it now. But I'm with you. I don't think that this is is the time for it. I think looking back at it, I think, you know. And, it, uh, and, the, and you, you know what? It might be the time for it. It might be, but, but it, it might not it be. It doesn't, it doesn't have, have to be, be no. right? And no, that's, think of, that's my only point is that it doesn't not it, – it is not – you know, it's not a non-negotiable. It's it's not something that is a non-starter. Well, well, what do you think's happening now? As all this news comes out, everybody is throwing everything at the wall at Craig Conroy, oh, yeah. trying to take GM's advantage saying, of the situation. Hey, wait a second. You know that Lindholm guy. He doesn't want to stay. We'll take that yeah. problem off your hands. We'll yeah. uh, we'll offer you a second and a fourth. Yeah, there are 30 in this more. year's draft though. Yeah. It's a deep draft. Yeah. Connie, you're new. Like this is a good deal. I'm helping you out here, right? Let me help you, Craig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, a and lot that's of... what you're you're get, you'll you'll be getting a lot of that right yeah. now. But I think looking back, you know, it's it's a different timeline, Pat. But you'll understand what I mean when I say this. And if you're, you're not as familiar with, it, it reminds me of Matt Duchesne and how Joe Sackett handled that situation yeah. with Colorado. It felt like it was a situation that was at a head. And everybody was calling Joe Sackick saying, look, we'll do this for Matt Duchesne, do this for Matt Duchesne, we'll do that for Matt Duchesne, let's get this done, let's handle this. And Joe Sackick said, nope, I'm going to wait this out, and when the right deal comes to me, I will take it and we'll go from that point. And he succeeded massively. That was a home run discount or home run deal for Colorado, losing a premier player. It was one that could have very easily been a terrible deal for them and one that didn't work out for them. But I'm just saying, I know it's a different scenario. I know it's a different player. I know all that stuff. But I'm saying sometimes I think that patience can pay off. And I don't think, look, if Craig gets the right deal and he feels he's getting you know adequate value for any of those guys that we've talked about at the draft, then have at it. There's no reason to wait. But if you don't feel that you are, I think sometimes holding your, your firm hand out and saying, look, I'm going to wait until I get what I want or as close to it as I possibly can, I don't think that's the worst thing either. And I just think that if if you are willing to, if you are, wi- like, and I really like, I, I had never thought of that, but I really like your Joe Sackick and Matt Duchesne trade. Like, he worked that masterfully to get two teams involved, got Ottawa to pay way too much for this guy, uh, engaged the third team yep. in there. Uh, was it Nashville as the third it was team? Nashville as that's, the third how they, team. that's how they got Sam Gerard. That's exactly um, how they got and, Sam Gerard. And Nashville eventually got Duchesne later, which is also really weird. But, um, but yeah, like they, they worked two teams perfectly. And they got, for, for a guy that was an absolute um, divisive force inside that locker room, a guy that they could not get out of there quick enough. And that's, we're not, the one thing that I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt is that 
whether it's Noah Hannafin or Tyler Toffoli or Michael Backlund or any of these other guys, this has all been done really professionally. This has not been an acrimonious situation. This has not been yelling matches. This has not been Craig Conroy throwing the phone against the wall when he's done a conversation. This has all been done very professionally and very amicably when it comes to having these conversations. So, you know, that and, – and that, that – so these guys are not divisive forces in the locker room like Matthew Shane was in Colorado. You remember what Eric Johnson said after he left? He was like, yeah, that guy yeah. had to leave. Yeah, that had to be done. And they've been done. they've been one of the best teams in the NHL ever since he's left. I'm sorry, it was actually Bowen Byram that they've gotten in that for the pick. Okay, okay, Bowen Byram, okay. Yeah. Still, pretty good way to come out of that. My point is, is that when it's all said and done, they stuck to their guns. They had an asking price. They had exactly what they felt they wanted to get, and they weren't going to budge on that. So if you have to get that in late July as opposed to late June and you don't get a pick in this year's draft, that's okay. I would far rather the Flames get this right than just get it done for the sake of getting it done, and I do believe that's exactly the way the Flames are going to be handling this thing. So I, I think that's really important. There's still optimism that Lindholm might come back, and, and you know there is a – there's a significant deal on the table, whether we're talking about a, a 8.75, 8.9, 9 million dollars, whatever the case may be. There is a significant deal on the table right now for Elias Lindholm, and they it was not met with an outright no. They're thinking on it. They're waiting on it. Uh, they're not pressuring him. Is uh, the word that you've you've heard from a couple of different spots, and now they wait to see what his answer is. And you know, like. If they don't, would they like it sooner rather than later? Sure. Yes, of course they would. But again, instead of rushing things, doing things right, I think is a pretty good play for the Calgary Flames. So I guess that's a long story or a long way of saying that do I think the Flames will make a move at the draft? Yes. I actually do. I think that when it's all said sure. and done, we'll come back from Nashville and Craig Conroy will have made a deal that we're talking about and that the the hockey world's talking about. Whether it's Hannafin, whether it's Toffoli, whether I, I do think one will happen. However, I don't think everybody's moving between Monday and Thursday. I don't think that Toffoli and Lindholm and Hannafin and uh, Backlund will all be traded in the next four days. I think maybe one, two could get done over draft week, but to expect anything more than that, that probably wouldn't be the way to go. And, yeah, I, uh, I, I still am very interested to see what the Flames do with this draft. I just... Don't know if necessarily we need to. Uh, I, I just don't know if necessarily you need to expect everything to be done uh, over draft week either. No, it's hard not to uh, to be excited about it. And I, I think you're right. I think there's so many options, and it's. I think it's hard to get to a, a point like the draft. And I think Brad Living would probably tell you this, where 31 other GMs are there with you, and you can have those face to face conversations. I think it's hard to to get out of a place like Nashville and be like, hey, we didn't get anything done like that but at the same time Craig's interests have to lie with what's best for the Calgary yeah. Flames right now and I think that's where they are obviously. Uh, it's been another big day for the Flames. They finalized their coaching staff. Mark Savard and Dan Lambert have both joined the coaching staff. Kale McLean, Jason LaBarbera and Jamie Pringle all return. Ryan Huska of course the head coach. Huska joined us in hour one of this Friday edition of Flames Talk which is available wherever you get your podcasts. Wrap it up this hour right now. We've been hanging out here at Veranda on this Friday. Veranda the collaboration between 
between Burwood and Vacay Brewing, and just an unbelievable space. You got to check them out in the Curry Barracks. I uh, very much encourage you to come on, uh, come on down and check out Veranda. That's where Flames Talk's been coming at you from on this Friday. That's where this hour's been coming at you uh, from on this Friday. As we start to wrap things up, this hour's been brought to you by. Uh, this hour's been the Sports Drive, which is brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.